Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. There's a lot more punks than there was four years earlier, but there was also as many posers. Posers were people that look like punks, but they did it for fashion. Welcome to SLC Punks, a Utah jazz podcast brought to you by the staff of SLC Dunk. Now here's your hosts, Michael Lohman and James Hansen. Alright guys, welcome back to the SLC Punks podcast after the Utah Jazz were eliminated. A week ago or so. It feels like it was ages ago, but it wasn't all that long. Uh, welcome back, Milo. Hey, let's talk some basketball. <laughs> let's talk basketball. Let's talk about the jazz. Uh, I, I, uh, I think this this week, it's, it's kind of this funny thing because we're post-locker room clean out. We're on the verge of going into free agency and draft. And we before we start talking about those things, I think... Uh, it's probably a good idea that we kind of dissect the Jazz and Rockets a little bit, see if there's anything we can learn from that, uh, anything we can take from it, and then kind of move forward. But <sighs> it's still, I, I, you know, I think, I think the pain is over a little bit, Milo. I think I'm kind of over it. I think I'm, I'm feeling fresh, and I think there's a few things that I have learned. I don't know if you want to start uh, yeah. talking about some of the things you learned, or I can go, whichever you want. I, I'll start. So. You had posted in one of your downbeats, I believe, a video from Bob Myers where he's talking about you learn more about players in the playoffs and how they perform mm-hmm. in the playoffs than you do in the regular season. And the reason for that is in the playoffs, you know what a player's strengths are very, very obviously because a, an opposing team tries to take that away and they'll scheme against it. So you can more easily identify what a player's strength is. And likewise, you can more uh, easily identify what their weakness is because it's not being schemed against. It's being, they, they want players to have to, um, to do that. So for, for example, if it was Joe Ingles, the Houston Rockets schemed against his right, his, uh, his, uh, dribbling right and to force him right. Um, Mm -hmm. if it was Donovan Mitchell, um, they were forcing him to take the outside shot and giving him that outside shot all day. And they were putting him in traps because they knew that he didn't have the playmaking ability of a, a veteran guard. And so he was more likely to make mistakes. If it was Jay Crowder, they were giving him the outside shot all day because they knew he was shooting 33%. And that's we'll, they'll take that. If it was Ricky Rubio, they were giving him anything he wanted. Because if he took a shot, it, they knew it was a lower percentage shot when he was open than if somebody, somebody else like Donovan Mitchell or Rudy Gobert um, was, was covered. So, it, so with the Houston Rockets series, we learned painfully so what, what Utah's strengths and weaknesses were, and they were laid bare out there. And mm-hmm. even with that, 
Utah was close to tying up the series 2-2. And in game three, they had figured out that they had figured out how to play the Houston Rockets. So what I learned from the from that series is the Utah Jazz are a chameleon of a of a defensive team. They can adapt to almost any defensive style and do it at a very high level in the playoffs, which is something that any team in the playoffs would kill for. To be able to mm-hmm. identify and move because in the first two games it looked like they were completely out of their depth with Houston. And it didn't look like they belonged in the same court. And by game three, their defense had figured it out. And and they could control that. They could control that. And the problem was they could not get things done on offense. So that's a very positive thing. The positive thing is Utah's strength on defense, Houston could not scheme that. They could not figure out a way to scheme their offense to take advantage of that. That's monumental. That tells you that there's no weak links in there. Unfortunately, all of Utah's weak links were laid bare on offense and painfully, painfully. So whether it's Ricky Rubio not being able to convert shots, whether it's Jake Crowder, Joe Ingles all of a sudden becoming mortal and submortal, um, mm-hmm. Kyle Korver, his mortality uh, at 38 years old and um, his basketball mortality, as it were, and not being able to get out there and be healthy so much so that in locker room cleanout, he's he made it very aware to everyone that he's has retirement on the table. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I think that's the main thing that we learned is that Utah has a defense all put together, but they have some very big, uh, very big pieces that they're missing on offense. Yeah, I think uh, I think. I'm very similar to what you're talking about. Like I, I think what we learned is that the Jazz's strengths really are very strong, uh, and then we saw that some of their weaknesses are really weak. And because they have, I think we learned a lot actually that Quinn Snyder really is a legit great coach. That he's able to actually come up with schemes in the playoffs that can win you games. And so that's one of the strengths we learned. We learned that Rudy Gobert really is the defensive player of the year. The fact he had like seven blocks in one game, including multiple like floaters from James Harden. It's mm-hmm. it's honestly unreal. Some of the things he's able to do. And we learned that when Donovan Mitchell plays really well and is hitting shots, the jazz can beat anybody. Uh, but then we also learned that the jazz have some serious flaws that are just they were fatal in that series. There was just things they could not do. Like how many, I mean, we, it's been much talked about how many open shots the jazz were able to create, which is a credit to Quinn Snyder that they were able to create these shots. But the, you know, the sad thing about it is they just were never able to, to, to hit. You had that one, uh, the, the game where Donovan Mitchell went off and the jazz won that game. And Donovan was hitting his shots, and that was great. But he was doing so well because that outside shot was falling. Uh, and I'm some of that is just Houston's like, you know what? That we're going to lose a game here or there because Donovan Mitchell's just special, and we'll have games where he goes off like that. But if we take away his drive to the hoop, more often not than not, we're going to win. And that's what happened uh, because the Jazz have multiple flaws on their team. And uh, one of those flaws is not necessarily because of a player that's not skilled. The the one is uh, Derek Favors. We found out in that series what we already knew, that Derek Favors is a very high-level player. And right. 
probably a starter on a championship level team and all this, but that's at the center position. Uh, on Utah, it just becomes redundant. And we saw it again in Quinn Snyder halfway through the series. People haven't mentioned it a lot that Quinn Snyder's changed to Jay Crowder. And then all of a sudden the jazz got a win. Uh, and that's because not because um, Derek favors is not good or anything like that. It's that Derek favors and Rudy Gobert are both centers. And when you play two centers together, both of which can't stretch the floor, you have issues on offense. And that's something we talked about all year. And I got, we talked about it so much. I'm like, I'm tired of talking about it. And I'm sure that Quinn and Dennis Lindsay are tired about, of talking about it too. But I think that's what I learned is that, you know, the jazz have these really great, strong points. They have strong coach. They have two stars on the team. They have a organization that's uh, makes smart decisions, but they also had some serious flaws. But I think, it's actually kind of exciting to think about if the jazz can fix those flaws, it's clear that they can, they can win playoff games and might be uh, a sleeping giant. If they can just find a way to correct those flaws. Uh, but that's the big question, but that's what I learned from, from the series. It was fun series, by the way, uh, as it went on, those first two games were the worst, but the last three games, I mean, we very well could have gone up three, two, if, things bounced our way a little bit but right it uh, it was a really fun series i even wrote those first after the first two games i was like it's like watching thanos you know burn through the avengers it it doesn't feel like it feels feels like it's it this is what's going to happen and it doesn't matter what you throw at at them it's just going to to go backwards and they figured it out defensively um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that I noticed was that was very telling in that Houston series was, so Donovan Mitchell actually had a, um, he, he was ranked one of the highest in, in the postseason as of uh, in potential assists. So that's if somebody hits that shot, he had, um, 10 possible, um, potential assists per game. And there were only, um, he only converted 3.2 of those. And that tells you the shooting, the people who are around him. And so he was kicking out to Jay Crowder, whether it was Ricky Rubio, whether it was Royce O'Neal, and so on and so forth. And he he just could not uh, have anybody who would help him out there. And mm-hmm. so that's what the um, what the the real rough thing is in this whole in this whole series was. He just couldn't find anybody who could give him any help. And so he only converted. He only ended up with 3.2 assists per game in that whole series. And he had 10 possible. So if you if you put out shooters who can actually – not shooters, but I feel like Jerry Sloan where it's just like, I don't need a shooting guard. I need a making guard. Mm-hmm. And that's what Utah needed. Joe Ingles, who last year shot 48, 44%. Dropped this year to thirty eight percent, and then in the playoffs dropped to twenty percent. Um, you had Jay Crowder who was shooting sub twenty. You had um, you had Ricky Rubio who was going one for seven a game. You had uh, the only people who were shooting above average were Royce O'Neal and Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell mm-hmm. can't kick out to himself. And and as you were saying with Derek Favors and Dennis Lindsay during locker room clean out, uh, very aptly said. Derek Favors isn't part of the problem, which is very true. He's not. Um, he was part of the solution in many ways, but he can only be part of the solution, unfortunately, for 
23 minutes in a game. Mm-hmm. And that, that leaves you – you're not getting a starter level solution. You're getting a bench level solution. And so you have to decide, do you pay starter level money to a bench level solution? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's the hard thing with Houston. I think Houston, we know – and that's a, it's both a bad thing and a good thing. With Houston, we know that Utah is really, really close. They have a system that works, and I'm convinced now at the beginning of the year, I didn't think that – I. well, I, I don't know if I didn't think, but I said when they traded for Kyle Korver, Kyle Korver is going to be a test case. Or is it the system that's generating open looks, or is it just Utah's bad personnel, no one wanting to guard them? And as mm-hmm. the season went on, Kyle Korver is getting open looks, and people who you want having the ball are getting open looks. It – it tells me that Utah's system does generate a lot of open looks, and Quinn Snyder's doing an amazing job. Now, as we approach the offseason, we know from Houston, hey, it's generating open looks even when Houston's not wanting it to. And even if Utah's players don't even shoot a their league average, their season average of 35%, if they shot 28% from three, 28, an abysmal three-point percentage, they're winning. They won that. That's three game. They won three games, mm-hmm. and we're and and we would have just finished a game seven. Uh, it, it probably would have gone seven games, but because in the big time moments in the big time games, they can't even hit open shots. That lets you know, hey, we don't have the right personnel. Well, it was it was very clear, like that the Jazz star players, the Jazz really do have their stars. Like they have them. In Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, but so for example, they talked a lot about uh, James Harden shooting. They never really mentioned that uh, a lot of that was caused by a certain Defensive Player of the Year. It's funny how that that coincidence. It always seems just a coincidence and not like oh yeah, they're like everyone's really great. Um, Why does he not shoot Go- well? Yeah, <laughs> but like, anyways, yeah, they they figured it out. It must have been all Royce O'Neal. By the way, Royce O'Neal was amazing in the series. I think that's hey. another thing that we really learned is like Royce O'Neal, A, he's going to have his contract guaranteed like tomorrow. Oh, it's already, next yeah. And, and it's, like, a, it's, it's a screaming deal. Um, mm-hmm. Also, we know that Royce O'Neal is going to get paid um, in the next offseason. I'm not sure if Utah's going to be able to afford him because I think somebody's going to go with Kent Bazemore him. Uh, well, the thing for, is, is he's kind of... how well he played. He's older than you think, and I th- I could see him being like the Danny Green career path. It's kind of similar in a lot of ways, where he comes out from non traditional ways, uh, shows out to be really good. He still could have shot the ball better in that series, but uh, yeah, his defense was fantastic, and he he showed in that last game an ability to drive and score. I don't know if that's just a one game thing, but you're right. Uh, Royce has been a steal and just another sign of Dennis Lindsay finding uh, great players out of nowhere. Uh, he's been fantastic. But one thing that was really interesting about this series too, um, just I was talking about James Harden's shooting problems is that like he had like three bad shooting g- games, you know, and I like what I'll give everyone is a newsflash that the jazz were a part of that. Um, mm-hmm. But like, when you subtracted James Harden's bad shooting from their three-point percentage and you subtracted Donovan Mitchell's shooting from our team three-point shooting percentage, the the Rockets minus James Harden were like 40% from three. 
the Jazz minus Donovan Mitchell from three were like eight. It was like 20 something percent. It was like that right there was the series. It was not, it's not that complicated. The, the Jazz just don't have players around their stars that can shoot the ball. They just don't. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely never showed up that whole series. Like that whole series. I mean, Jay Crowder had a couple games where he was big and, uh, that was about it. Uh, there was like, uh, I don't know. I, I think really the biggest takeaway too is the Jazz have to find shooters. They have to find people that can shoot the ball because that's what lost them that series. If they'd have had shooters, they'd have, honestly they'd have won the series because they would have uh, they would have just honestly they'd be three two right now heading to Utah and, and uh, I don't know. It's right. a frustrating series, but it also gives you a lot of hope because sometimes we go out of, sometimes you leave a series like we did when it was Al Jefferson and Paul Millsap and you come out of that series going, well, <laughs> we don't have anything and we're screwed. <laughs> like, <laughs> but now it's like, yeah. now it's like, no, we know we've got a great core, but how do we fill out the rest of the team? Who do we keep? Who do we let go? And things like that. And it's going to be an interest. It's going to be a wild off season. I'll say that. Right. And I, th- I think one of the best things that could happen to you tell me talked about this before the series is uh, there's, there's no hollow victories. And what I mean by that is uh, Utah didn't get to play paper tiger through second and third round at second. And then into the Western conference finals, possibly. Mm-hmm. And and be like, wow, we're way closer than we really think. Um, and I think they are way closer, but it, there was nothing to to be able to convince uh, people who were on the fence to be like, maybe we keep them, we run it back another season, and really focus on internal development. And I, what was good about this series is it really showed that even if people there is some significant internal development. Um, your that internal development is only going to replace players that you lose in free agency, um, possibly this next season, or mm-hmm. you're only going to, um, or you're only going to incrementally get better. And and the problem is, is um, Ricky Rubio when he's when he's diving into the paint, he's going to have Donovan Mitchell to spread the floor for him. When Donovan Mitchell dives in the paint, he doesn't get that same courtesy. Mm-hmm. from his from his guard mate and so you don't have synergy so the, it, like the roles can't can't be interchanged and that's modern basketball right there you need as many you need the venn diagram to overlap as much as possible when it comes to playmaking and spacing and right now um and usually you can get away with your four not overlapping as much on that venn diagram but you cannot get away with it with your point guard. And that's where Ricky Rubio is. And that gets us into going into the off season. Um, we had talked, we had locker room clean out and Ricky just wanted, uh, talked about, you know, he doesn't know where he's going to be next year. He just wants to be able to find a good place for him, his family, basically saying all the right things as someone who is about to approach free agency. And he's a borderline starter, depending on where he goes. Um, I, he's going to, he and his agent, I, I guarantee are going to be focusing on being somewhere where he will project as a starter because it's shown if you ever take that step back, you're never getting, you're never going to be put forward again. 
Mm-hmm. So once you admit that you're not, you're not going to get paid like a starter. You're not going to get, um, you're not going to get the minutes of a starter. And I think in Utah, he's only going to get that if Utah's off season goes significantly um, off the rails. And I think um, the minute Dennis Lindsay at locker room cleanout said there, I can see scenarios in which Ricky Rubio comes back. I mean, that sounds like you breaking up with somebody and be like, yeah, I could see scenarios of me getting back together with my girlfriend. Like, that doesn't that doesn't sound like somebody who's like true love for the <laughs> there's there's yeah, a match like, there. It's like, well, you know what? It, I mean, the summer's coming along. I don't want to be lonely. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus, like, yeah, I, I really see us going places. And so, I I think this has been the end of the road for uh, the Utah Jazz and Ricky Rubio. And um, if anybody thinks he's coming back, uh, the Utah tried to divorce themselves of this um, earlier. Um, the only thing Utah's mad about is it got out. Mm-hmm. I, like I, I, I kind of see where Utah's mad about it because they're like Memphis was really unethical in letting this this get out. Um, but at the same time, it's just like, well, that's the cost of doing business in the NBA. Like you, you it, Ricky Rubio had to have known that he's he's where he's at in the in the scale of of point guards. Like he plays against them every night, mm-hmm. and. Um, and it, it, all of us know when we're not exactly the top banana at our work. Mm-hmm. So, um, it, and it's and it's hard because Ricky Rubio has such a good heart. He ha- he plays with such passion, and I think that identity is going to be with the the Utah Jazz moving forward. I just don't think that Ricky Rubio, who instilled that identity, is going to be with the Utah Jazz moving forward. Is going to live on in Donovan and in Rudy, um, and and that's how this this team that is plays with a chip on his shoulder is going to move forward but doesn't mean he's going to be be part of it moving forward totally agree i think uh i'm just gonna be nice and just say i i wish rubio well (laughs) that's all i I, that's all i'm gonna say (laughs) he's been a he's been a great jazz man in terms of just like he plays with heart he plays hard he uh He's been a great like humanitarian and and in the community and he's just a good dude and he's a good locker room guy. He's not someone, you know, I don't think you worry about too much in the locker room, although I think there's a little bit of something there. But uh, I I uh, I think uh, he's been good for the team overall and I think he's been good for Donovan to have someone to kind of mentor him uh, in terms of just how to be a pro and and play the point guard position a little bit. and. And I wish him well, but I do believe that the Jazz need to uh, move on and find someone that fits uh, our star's skill set much better. Yeah, and that's and and that's bringing us to a locker room cleanout. I don't think we learned a lot from it. Um, the Utah Jazz front office and coaching staff was saying all the right things because they still want to be able to have the options open to re-sign guys that they have the bird rights to like, like Rubio, or if they guarantee Derek favors, it doesn't sound like they were slandering him all off season. And they're like, okay, come back. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I, they're just being very cordial and both sides are same with Derek favors. Um, and for example, uh, Dennis Lindsay said, Derek favors isn't part of the problem. He, he was part of the solution. But he also could be part of the solution in being traded or being just letting his contracts be 
uh, not guaranteeing his contract for next season to be mm-hmm. able to make way for a max player. Um, and that really brings us to Dennis Lindsay wants snipers. He wants shot makers. Mm-hmm. He knows he needs that because he has two players in Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert who are excellent rim runners, both of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Donovan Mitchell is going to get better from three. But you also, he saw that when he did not have spacing, he took away Donovan Mitchell's biggest strength. And so right now you need a way to be able to clear the paint for Donovan Mitchell. And if he has snipers out there, maybe people are still going to pack the paint, but now you get to make them pay if they do. Mm-hmm. And then once you make them pay, then that clean, that clears that up. And so his first opportunity is going to be at the draft. And so do you, James, do you feel like he's going to, uh, where do you think Don, uh, Dennis is going to make his move? Uh, do you think he's going to chance getting to free agency without bringing in a player or, or, or do you think he's going to, play it safe and and try to pull in a player at the draft um see what i what i hope and what i think will happen i guess might be two different things uh what i right. prefer is that he just makes a pick and then we go into free agency and we just uh you know go after somebody which is what and honestly i actually you know what change scratch that i think that's what he's gonna do i think he's just gonna go in and make his pick because I don't really think this is that great of a draft anyway. I've, I've heard that from a lot of people that it's just it's not that great of a draft, and so I don't know what pick twenty three is really going to get you. Uh, you know, unless mm-hmm. you really want someone, you know, like a Kevin Love, and you can give him that pick and then take that salary. But I don't know if they're even trading him. Uh, and you know, right? Maybe some like you revisit the Conley thing, but then you're giving up pieces that maybe you weren't willing to give up before. And so that's kind of a loss in a way. Uh, I honestly think that Dennis Lindsay is kind of, you know, we got Ricky Rubio through trade. We got, uh, who else did we get through? We have, we got George Hill through trade. Um, Both of those are ending with us, you know, either a first or second round exit. Uh, And that's good. Um, But I think the jazz, having been through that, they have their star in Donovan Mitchell. And I, you know, I don't know if it really is going to take as much as we would like. Like I would love for us to be able to get one of those star players. And I actually think the jazz have a chance uh, more than people may even think, honestly, to go get a stud because they can clear space to go get a max contract and, and give it to someone like a Kemba Walker or a Tobias Harris, or maybe overpay for someone that maybe you can get off their rookie deal. But I just, it feels like, I hope, if I'm Dennis Lindsay, I'm kind of looking at what happened with with Mike Conley and also maybe Ricky Rubio too a little bit is that, you know, once you make that trade, you're kind of locked in and, and there's reasons teams are willing to trade these guys. Like, as much as I think we, and you know, if we have Mike Conley on the Jazz, we might have won that Houston series, honestly. Uh, but at the same time, if if they're willing to trade him, it probably means because he's what over 31 now he's on the plus side mm-hmm. of 30 you're you're paying i think one of the top 10 contracts in the league for that and that's your guy and if mike conley goes out and he starts to deteriorate and you know i don't know if it's worth giving up picks and some of your pieces my 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 bet is that i think dennis Lindsay looks at this series with houston which really was closer than people will give it credit for 
and say, you know what, even if we go into free agency and we don't get like one of our, like one of the tier two guys in the league that maybe the jazz might be able to surprise people and go get, if we get two or three tier three guys, that probably is enough to get us the win. And then we can do things like trade assets that are, you know, we don't trade the cream of the crop. Instead of having to trade good players and a first round pick to get a guy that may, might not be a long-term fit. Maybe you can say, you know what, we're going to just, we're going to go out and get like a, another guy and not have to give up picks to do it and maybe have a better contract that we're kind of in charge of. I think that's one thing I've learned this season too, is sometimes when you trade for some of these contracts from these crappy organizations, those things are chock full of just like turns that don't align. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, They don't, they don't align with what you as an organization are doing. And I think we could, I mean, Utah is very, is known for putting uh, physical requirements, uh, physical fitness requirements in theirs. Um, they 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 had made Derek Favors um, du- adjusted by a per minute basis, um, hitting those things because they knew he wasn't going to be playing starter minutes. So they did things so it wasn't like they, it wasn't stacked against him. So they could do things to make it in his interest to stay. Um, uh, and still make a, a good money and hit his bonuses. So yeah, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So I, I think honestly, Dennis Lindsay might go in and like, if so, you know, it could all change. Like maybe someone does call up Dennis and say, Hey, we like this guy at 23 and we know you guys have liked this player. And you know, so that can always happen. That's what happened with Donovan Mitchell, honestly. Uh, and so yeah, maybe it, it, something like that happens, but like, uh, I think honestly, Dennis Lindsay can go out and make, and he can kind of, this, here's the thing is cause we're kind of used to that free agency period with, with, uh, Gordon Hayward, where he left us with no time. I, have we really had a off season where Dennis Lindsay has been able to go into it with a star player, two star players and, and money. And is just looking to get as good a player as he can. I don't know if we've actually really seen that. It's always been like, well, let's see if we can make a deal to kind of, you know, get something because we don't really have the assets or the money to make it happen. But maybe like Mm -hmm. I want to see us go out and just get a guy. And I think there are guys that we can get. I think I honestly believe and maybe I'm just pie in the sky, but I think the Jazz can go out and get a stud that fits that that donovan mitchell rudy gobert and you get a little bit of a trio going which would be amazing it would be so fun if we got a guy it would be so fun Ugh. i'm i'm a i'm more of the attitude of i still think dennis Lindsay would like to have that third star in place by uh before free agency opens and what that would mean is I, I, I think this team is not just going to look a little different than, than, um, than last year. I think it's going to look a lot different than last year. Oh, I agree with and, that. I think it's going to be big overhaul. And, yeah. And, and, and A, because there's so many players who are on, on expiring deals. So like um, yeah, um, Howell Neto, Epe Udo, um, Tabo. you have uh, Tabo, you have... Uh, Corver, who is not, uh, who is, his, his, he's on a partial guaranteed next year. You have Derek Favors, who's on a non guaranteed. And then you bring in people who could be trade targets on that, whether it's uh, Dante or um, uh, Kyle Corver is also another person who could be a trade target or just retires. 
Um, Jay Crowder still is on a, a very good, um, very good contract for his for his value. Um, so there's some there's some significant things uh, that Utah can make, and and you said it yourself. If they if they go after a player at the draft, because the Mike Conley trade in February would be using completely different players than if it was in in June. Um, if you do not guarantee the contract of favors, um, th- and you're not using him as trade trade bait, then the only people you can use, and I'm not saying Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell are getting traded, but this is these are the only guys who you can use. You can only use Gobert, Jay Crowder, Ingles, Mitchell, Corver, but his contract is only going to be, you can only use the amount of money that he's partially guaranteed, so that's not a lot. Um, Royce O'Neal, Niang, Allen, and Exum. That's it. Like that's all. That's all you can work with. So if you are trying to land a trade, say for, uh, say they go after Mike Conley, then you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to use Jay. You're going to have to use Dante Exum, and you're gonna have to use Kyle Korver. Or worse, you're gonna be, uh, you're gonna be giving up a fan favorite. Whether it's Joe Ingles, uh, whether it's uh, well, actually it would be Joe Ingles or Royce O'Neal because he has a lot of value, and mm-hmm. so it's uh, honestly though I think Dennis Lindsay is going to try to enter this off season with having got a borderline All Star at the draft or around the draft because there's going to be more movement. Um, there's going to be teams that look at uh look at free agency and decide hey we're not a competing team and we do have a lot of salary let's try to jettison some of the salary out so that we can take some salary dumps and be a third team that facilitates those um and let's start let's start the rebuilding process now mm-hmm. let's start let's see if we can't get a 2022 pick or a 2021 uh, and i do think utah is going to revisit those mike conley negotiations a because I know Memphis says, oh, yeah, the way Mike Conley played, you know his value is going to be up. And it's like, well, do you? Because he's only on a one plus one. He's, he has one guaranteed year left, and then he's on a team option for the second. So a team can be like, no, he's, 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 he broke his leg, and we aren't going to guarantee that for the next year, and we're going to free up that salary. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I, just, I just think Utah, while – it would be a great pitch to enter in free agency with with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. How amazing would it be to be like, hey, we have a pathway to about $28 million and we already have Mike Conley. We have Derek Favors and we have Donovan Mitchell. Uh, not Derek Favors, but Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. And they can, and if, if this, and if the off season goes squirrely, they have something that fits with Derek Favors. I think that's the other thing that we have that we're not thinking about is d- if Derek Favors is your backup plan, you need to have pieces in place that work with Derek Favors. Mm-hmm. And if you have a Mike Conley, you have three players in Joe Ingles, in Donovan Mitchell, and mm-hmm. in Mike Conley who can space the floor and make him more effective out there with Gobert rather than. Uh, we we can't play them now because uh, we're not going to have a floor spacer as our point guard. Mm-hmm. 
And if you're if you're having to punt, say say you miss out and you have Derek Favors as your backup plan, um, then your contracts are going to look different. Um, you want to have guys who are only on who can be cut. You can cut them and and go at back into free agency a year later. So Mike Conley matches that. He's on a team option. So if things aren't working out, you're like, okay, we scrap it, we clean the board, or you can make trades with Mike Conley and Derek Favors to to make things work. So you at least have value. You actually have value with your backup plan to be able to pivot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I think they're still going to go to Mike Conley or hope that uh, uh, Griffin down in New Orleans, as a new GM, uh, starts pl- wheeling and dealing and and Holiday hits uh, hits uh, the trade market. That's the only. So thing I is, still I think just, that's a big part. I just it's hard for me to like. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I just don't feel like we have these assets that are going to be that strong. I mean, we do have Derek Favors, and I think he really proved himself to be just a beast in this series. And so he has a lot of value, I think, but it's a, for a one year deal, you know, and mm-hmm. like it comes back to, it's just like, it's pick 23, you know, like yeah, drew holiday. That's what I always think too. Like if I'm the, if I'm the new Orleans Pelicans and I have drew holiday, like what am I taking back for him? If someone comes to me with like one year, Derek favors and the 23rd pick, you know, who, like, <laughs> That's probably not getting it done. Now, Mike Conley, maybe because you've got the salary aspect and they're obviously mm-hmm. going into a rebuild. Uh, but man, that is rough because you because uh, you look at New Orleans, they're probably going to go after probably going to get someone like Jason Tatum or something like that, like a pretty high level young player. Uh, and maybe who knows? You never know, though. Maybe. Maybe yeah. they want like a veteran that can go in there and play well with them and they still feel like they can win now type thing. But one thing this season taught me is that the dumb teams do dumb things that you can't predict and it's hard to work with them. Things don't work out the way you think. Like we would have really liked to have gotten Otto Porter this year, but the war the Wizards were run with Ernie Grunfeld. Like this happened twice to Utah this year where they tried to work with a moron and then, like, two weeks after he did another stupid thing, he was fired. It happened with with the Washington Wizards, and then it happens with the the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies. And it's just like, man, it is, it is hard to make these deals happen. It's hard to, like, you know, talk sense to people that don't know what they're doing. And they think, I don't know. It's so hard. Right. right. It's just the motivations behind it. It's, it's, it's like... <sighs> somebody selling their car and they're about to hit bankruptcy and they're like, I just, I just need anything for this versus, you know, what's the urgency behind it? How safe does that person feel in their job? Um, how safe do they feel with ownership? Does, is her ownership all put together? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, going into this off season, I still think that um, Utah does have good assets um, to be able to bring to the table for a, a Mike Conley um, I do think there are teams that still rate Dante Exum pretty high and they just don't feel he's getting a good shake in Utah. And it, and the system might not be good for Dante Exum either. 
Um, mm-hmm. and that it, it, sometimes that just happens. And I'm still of the attitude that Dante Exum can't hit his ceiling in Utah just because there is not the, um, the ability to make mistakes um, repeatedly to be able to learn from them. Unless you're Shelvin um, Utah anymore. or Ricky Rubio or Howell now. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> but even then, they do have a floor. You know what their floor is. Yeah. And unfortunately with Dante Exum, you don't know what his floor is. You don't know what his ceiling is. And with Ricky mm-hmm. Rubio, you do know what his ceiling is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's not incredibly high, but, um, but you don't know what Dante and because of there's that question mark, he's not, he's, he's not going to get that his opportunity to be able to make mistakes and learn from them came in two seasons, his sophomore season, and he was out all of it with injury. And then his, uh, his fourth season, and then he was out with injury. And so he never, he, his two prime seasons to learn, um, never got to show it. So, now we're now we're at a point now with um with Utah where there's a lot of different options that can can take place. I know you're really excited for the free agency and I think there's some definite um possibilities out there whether um you said, you know, like that tier, that C tier, um whether it's uh you could get a Patrick Beverly and and Miritich and that might actually be enough to to swing it or a Malcolm Brogdon and a and and a Miritich and that or a or a um uh Bogdanovich mm-hmm. and th- those could be enough. Um we know that uh especially if Philly's going to get bounced really quick in the in the Eastern Conference playoffs like hey Tobias and Jimmy Butler might oh be my- more available than we thought. Oh my gosh, have you watched did you watch Toronto play them? I have never seen a coach put a player in such a position to fail than that game where Tobias Harris was playing against the the that Philly team, I think I I if I'm if I'm Tobias and you know I know I'm biased, I'm like praying to the basketball gods that he comes to our team. Honestly, the sales pitch to Tobias Harris should be look at all these shots that Jay Crowder gets. Look how easy his job is, and this could be you. Right. And you know what you can do? You actually make these. Like, man, you watch him though on that team. So they've got a team where it's like Ben Simmons kind of runs up the court, and if there's no, an open lane to the basket, he dunks it. But if there's not, he just kind of hands it off to someone and then goes and sits under the basket and hopes for an offensive rebound. So they basically, in a half-court set, don't play with a a guard. And so then yeah. you have these situations where Tobias has to play this isolation stuff, and then now he's playing against a team in Toronto who has like elite-level defenders, like in Kawhi and Siakam and Kyle Lowry, and all of a sudden... He looks really rough, and I I bet like every single time he gets blocked because of a bad situation, it's like it warms my soul because it's like a Max looks better and better from us with every single bad Brett Brown possession. Anyways, that's my little thing. I just if if the Jazz could go in and get like a Tobias Harris, a Tier B kind of guy, then the Jazz are in. I I mean, they yeah, would be you'd be. You'd be- <laughs> subbing somebody like so jay crowder had one of his best years from three-point land he shot 33 percent um add 10 percent to that yeah yeah and that's 10 percent to that we got tobias and tobias harris this year per 36 he's only averaging five threes a game jay crowder's averaging nine. Oh no eight he's averaging 8.3 
And so per 36. <laughs> Tobias per is 36. good. If he comes, he could average like 24 points a game just because of the open shots that Quinn gets him. And the, the other thing about him is that he can dribble drive to the hoop. So you, he can like, dribble you watch, drive. He can dish he's really than, well. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, the, you watch because like Jay Crowder and you got to give Jay Crowder some credit because I feel like he did improve as a driver to the hoop this year. And I he did. like he, he like actually legitimately looked like he got better this year. Uh, but Tobias is better than him at that already. So he's just like better at every aspect of the game. Jay might be a tiny bit of a better defender, honestly. Uh, but man, that that offense would open things up for Utah. And then and then. Oh, but anyways. I kind of derailed us. I don't know where we were going. <laughs> so I'm sorry. No, but I, I think I think there's definite there's like really good players out there. There's really good players to be had. I think what what's very important is I know it, it's very easy for us to be like that's the player that makes a difference. And I do think Tobias Harris would be a hand and glove fit in Utah. Would be the best possible fit. So, you know, a minus like getting a, a Jimmy Butler or you know mm-hmm. Kevin Durant. Um. Yeah. But. But the ones who feel obtainable, the ones who feel like you could get get them coming back. Uh, but at the same time, we have to think about the the where. What's the goal? Is our is the goal being like okay? Um, are we are we trying to get to uh, are we trying to get to a championship? Yes. Okay. Well, you know if if we do, uh, there is a road to doing that. The other thing that we have to think about. And, um, and this is my big, bold prediction. I don't think Rudy Gobert is ever going to, is going to be traded on this contract, but I do think we're approaching a time in which we are going to hear Rudy Gobert's name get mentioned in rumors. Um, just because a, there's going to be people who will feel like they can throw his name out there in negotiations because it can be like, well, he only has two years left on his contract and then you're going to have to you know, resign. What do you want to do with that? Um, so there'll be teams that try to throw his name out there just to a to get leverage on their side, um, to make it sound like, oh, we talked to Utah and we asked for you know, and we were talking Rudy Gobert, and it's only going to be like, yeah, we asked for him and they said no, but you don't have to know that. But I also think Utah's going to possibly start entertaining just to see where his value is as well. Because when you talk about that duo of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert moving forward, there's one person in there whose value is going to um, is going to be much longer, and that's Donovan Mitchell's to Utah. And Rudy Gobert, which is crazy, it's it's crazy to think of Rudy Gobert of being like he's always been forever young to us. We're like, yeah, he's you know he's a young guy, he's a young guy, he's a young guy. Well, now he's he's going to turn. 20, he's going to be 27 um, on June 26th. And he's starting to enter his prime. And you possibly have three years left of really excellent play because big men tend to fall sharply off a cliff when they hit 30 unless they can shoot. Rudy Gobert does not, does not shoot. So that's, um, that's something that we're going to have to watch. Also with Utah, he's on, he has two years left on his contract. And then that puts Utah in a really precarious position. They're going to be renegotiating his contract with him when he is 29. That means that they possibly are only going to be, if they offer him a four-year contract, knowing big men at his size, you might only be getting one year of defensive player of the year value and then three years of not defensive player of the year value. 
And that can really hurt your team when you're trying to make sure you're building something around Donovan Mitchell in his prime. So I, I think Dennis Lindsay, Dennis Lindsay has some, some new options that he's going to have to deal with. I don't think Rudy Gobert, this is not me saying Rudy Gobert is definitely going to get traded in the next year. That's not me saying this at all. I just think this offseason is going to be jarring because we're going to hear his name come up. Not because Utah Jazz are mentioning it, but because teams are going to feel more bold asking for that because he only has two years left on his contract. And unfortunately for Utah, they have a history of now with Gordon Hayward of, hey, this big time name, he might leave you. Are you really going to play the, you know, are you really going to play that game twice? Do you really want to tempt fate twice? Mm-hmm. So, and you wouldn't be a smart, you wouldn't be a good GM if you weren't thinking in the back of your mind. I know Rudy Gobert says he wants to say, I know he loves it here. But we also just had another player who said he loves it here. He wants to be here. This is, no, he wouldn't want to play anywhere else. But once you get to that next contract where you can really go anywhere you want to go, uh, that it's put up or shut up time. And that's, and that's the only time that is really, that's the only time that where players actually are truthful because they get to decide. So there's, there's a lot of th- this, this off season is really interesting. It's not interesting in the fact of where it's just like, man, if you, do, j- the jazz can't get to the playoffs this next year, it's really going to be rough. It's, this is the gasoline on the fire offseason where you have two really great pieces. You have a good core mm-hmm. and you have half the NBA hitting free agency and you have a max free agent slot. Can Dennis Lindsay do basically cement himself as one of the best general managers of the Utah Jazz? Can he get his, can he do what Layden did and can he get a Jeff Hornacek? Can he do what Kevin O'Connor did, and can he land a Carlos Boozer? Can he can he do get that third piece? Can he get that big piece for Utah? And that's gonna if he does, then boom, he's all those Dennis Lindsay haters out there who I don't understand why, because I don't think he's ever put Utah in a compromising position as far as it goes with Utah Jazz. They've gotten better every single year, but now can they? Now can he lift himself up and? make a championship contender, not just a playoff contender, but a championship contender. And that's where we're going into the off season. You know what? I'm going to predict it. Tobias Harris is going to be in jazz uniform next year. I'm just going to predict it right now. I'm going to love playing this clip in, (laughs) in July and just be like, so preview us. Nikola Miritich and Ricky <laughs> well, here's Rubio. the thing. Like, I want to. That's what. I'll, <laughs> here's the. That's why. Here's why I think I don't think the Jazz should make a trade. Like, honestly, I feel like they have the pieces they need, and I I feel like kind of like what we talked about earlier in the podcast is that we really we showed that we're really close. If we had guys that could hit shots, and if you can go out and get tier C guys that can hit shots, the Jazz probably won win that series. And I think. I think, honestly, there's been a couple things where Dennis Lindsay's already surprised us. He got Joe Johnson in free agency, and he had offers mm-hmm. from other places. He he has made a trade for George Hill that got us into the playoffs, I think. But he's never really gone out full on, you know, I'm just going to try to go get our guy. Whereas before, it was kind of like, get the guy that makes Gordon happy. And uh, that kind of hamstrung him a little bit. And now he gets to actually go out and do 
you know, some shopping and we'll see if he can get a guy. And I think he can. I think the Jazz have a very uh, attractive situation. I know it's not the it's not Miami. It's not L.A. It's not New York. But, you know, it is a max slot and it's a chance to win a lot of games. And I think Dennis Lindsay, like, you know, when you think about like the Lakers and Magic Johnson and the pitch that they'll give them and. And then you think about Dennis Lindsay going there with Quinn Snyder and them saying, we can guarantee 23 points per game for you. We are going to give you a max slot. You are going to get a starting position in a position where you're going to look really, really good. Everyone who comes in here looks better. Everyone who comes in here who's like a borderline guy becomes a role player and gets money. And you're going to come in here and you have a chance to become an all-star. And guess what? You get to play in front of the best defensive center in the league. And next to one of the biggest rising stars in the game, and you get to be a part of this. And I think that's an attractive package. Yes, it's Utah. Yes, there's those stigmas that come with Utah, but there's also stigmas that come with other places. Like, I don't know what the difference is playing in Cleveland over Salt Lake City. I've lived in Ohio. Uh, there's not a lot of big difference between living in, uh, you know, Indiana, Milwaukee, which is Indiana, I, I think which Detroit. is our. Our our biggest uh, um, competition for say Kemba and Tobias is Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think what's what's going to be um, what's going to be difficult is um, with Joe Johnson. You had you had Utah basically being the only team to to Joe Johnson being like you're going to get paid big time money at 36, mm-hmm. like big time money, and you had to overpay. Um, but they overpaid and that allowed them. And, and then Joe Johnson was at that point of his career where he was like Vince Cartering it and being like, Oh, you know, getting <laughs> securing that bag and, uh, and I'll be where I, I, I want to be. Um, I think what's going to, this is going to be a way bigger test because you're basically going out there and you have to sell Tobias Harris on, on a situation where there could be another situation that is almost verbatim the exact same. With uh, say Indiana, Indiana can be like, "Hey, we got a up and coming defensive player in Miles Turner. We have a star star shooting guard, and you get to play, you know, power forward right next to him. Or to Kemba, you get to be the point guard right next to that." Um, and and honestly, I think Indiana is going to be Utah's toughest competition when it comes to getting get acquiring talent. A because Indiana is close to Chicago. You know, you, you can go, you can, you can party. There's, there's more things to do in Indiana, in Indianapolis. There is. Sorry, Utah. I don't know. I've driven through Indiana. Indiana. I don't know. But it's <laughs> Indianapolis, but Indianapolis too. And it, there's, there's, there are no clubs. There are no clubs in Utah. All right. And you can at least, and if you go like an hour and a half north, you're in, you're in Chicago. Yeah. So. It's and, and and there's stuff to do in Chicago. Um, there's plenty to do in Chicago. Um, so I think Indianapolis is is our our biggest. Uh, so Indiana, the Pacers are the Utah's biggest competition when it comes to to getting those not the top like the cream of the crop because I think KD is going to New York. I think Kyrie's oh, yeah. on his way to New York. That's not going to be um, but. But I, I think what helps Utah, though, is if you're having this massive migration of talent to the East and you already have, you know, you have the Celtics who are trending up, 
And if Anthony Davis goes to Celtics and you have maybe Kawhi bucks the trend and stays in, stays in Toronto because Toronto goes all the way and, and, and wins a championship or, um, and you have Philadelphia who's still trending on their way up. Um, you're looking at this and you're like, man, there's like six teams and they're, we're all, you know, all fighting for it versus like the Golden State Warriors. They just lost, you know, they lost Draymond. They lost KD. There's only Steph and Clay and a bunch of rural players. And, you know, Denver, they're beatable. And Houston, you know, they have their flaws. I could go to a place like Utah and all of a sudden we're, we're the cream of the crop. And I think that's what plays in Utah's hand. They can sell that as a, as kind of like the Houston Rockets did when Michael Jordan retired, where it's just like, there's a vacuum. There's a power vacuum right now. No one knows who, where the next best team is. It's, 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 there's a free for all with about eight to 10 teams next year because players are going to be moving. And we're, at the cream of the crop right now and just imagine us with you. So I think Utah does have some things. I just think Utah wants to try to hedge their bet before they hit free agency by trying to get um, some more talent. And I honestly think that they would be totally okay with moving Dante Exum, a first rounder and possibly a second rounder uh, with, with Jay, if that secures them, Mike Conley. And they're like, okay, now let's roll. Now we can, now we can definitely um, now. Now we still have space for a for a max contract slot for Tobias Harris, and let's uh, let's let's do this. Let's see see what we can can roll. Now all of a sudden, that's a, if you have Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Tobias Harris, and uh, and Rudy Gobert. It doesn't matter if you had to give up Joe Ingles in that that deal or Kyle Korver. You can fill those needs. You can fill those needs moving on through their, they have the full mid-level exception. So they can get uh, a Miritich. They can, they can bargain, uh, bargain shop for snipers out there for, for shop makers. Mm-hmm. And, and they can, they can do some, do some work. But I think, uh, I think Dennis Lindsay is going to be crazy active. I think you're going to, unfortunately for Dennis, sorry, Dennis, your name's going to, your team's going to come up in trade rumors all around June. Oh, it's, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I think, I mean, obviously the playoffs are going right. I can't wait for the playoffs to be over because free agency and draft is some of my favorite time of the year. It's just fun. And that's why the sting of the playoff loss is kind of not too bad because honestly, draft is fun. Uh, free agency is really fun, especially when you're actually a player in it. And I know we're not a big time player, but my goodness, if if the Jazz mm-hmm. came out with something, it would be... Oh boy. And if it's a trade and it gets us a stud, I'm I'm here for it. Um I the Jazz just need to fill those needs. Whatever it is, they've got to fill them. And the Jazz are going to be just fine next season, but they definitely got to do something. Running it back is not the answer. If like no. Like even a little bit. And I keep seeing people kind of like, "Well, if we do this, then we can keep the the old boys together." And I no. It's got to change. It's, we can't do this like barely. And, and let's be real. The coaching staff is like they, they've 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 bled this rock dry. Oh, this cow like, has been milked a lot and it's it's done. It's uh, and they 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 know and the front office knows and and. The front office last offseason, the whole thing, the reason they went continuity was it was their best option. 
They didn't have a lot of cap space. And so they knew that they could they could re-sign their guys who they had bird rights to and possibly push themselves above the cap and then make trades to try to get players in that rather than using their cap space, which they would have to have a lot of casualties and find people who wanted to take uh, salary uh, to be able to manufacture cap space. And that would have cost some draft picks um, just to... And you wouldn't be getting something guaranteed. That's just for the option of being able to sign somebody, not for, not to get somebody. And even then, they they didn't get they weren't able to secure meetings with people. People weren't trying to meet with them. So, um, it, so that's why they ran it back this year. So for people who would be like, I think they should do the exact same thing last year they did last year. Last year was their only decision. It was their only option. This next season, they they have the option. They've already shown that they were trying to get a head start on their offseason by getting Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. That would have been a decision for the next two years, not at the not the trade deadline. That's why I still think they go after Mike Conley because it's shown that if you make a trade at the at the at the trade deadline, your team actually gets discombobulated and gets a little worse. Mm-hmm. Versus, uh, ver- and that would be a trade made for the next two years in mind. So I still think. I still think they're going to go after Mike Conley. Um, so they were, they were active then. They're going to be active at the, at, the, at the draft, trying to move players and get, get another piece. And they're going to be active at, the, um, at free agency. They're, they're positioned ready to be a contender for the next – they have a window of about three years. Three years. Uh, a championship window if they hit it right. Mm-hmm. And that's before Donovan Mitchell is really hitting his uh, uh, most of his next contract. And so that's that's exceptional. That's insanely exceptional. So they have this they have this chance. They're going to go full force at it while they still have Donovan on a rookie contract. And here's the other crazy thing. If you have a Donovan on a rookie contract, you can have three max slots basically with Donovan Mitchell. So why why wouldn't they try to go get another guy another max guy through trade, and then why wouldn't they go try to hit the hit the um, hit the free agency and get that and get another guy before Donovan is on that contract? Seems to make sense. Mm-hmm. I would like that. Well, uh, I think we've run out of time, Milo. But I like yeah, I, I like so. uh, where the Jazz are at this point. I think they. I think they're in a good spot, much better than they were um, for sure two years ago and, and even better than last year. I think that things are looking very bright for Utah, and so I'm happy, but I'll be happier if we can get Tobias Harris. That's all I know. Yes. Give me, give me Toby. <laughs> Toby and Bobby, if, it takes, if that's what it takes. Uh, well, guys, if you could go to iTunes and search SLC, or actually, I think actually now you search um, SLC Dunk, because we are kind of a podcast mm-hmm. network now, more than just one single podcast. So, and we may see some other additional podcasts under this SLC Dunk window uh, this year. We'll see. But there's some exciting stuff going. Allegedly, 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 allegedly. So. Don't count on it, but for now, go search SLC Dunk. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying words. But guys, go to SLC Dunk. Search it on your phone. 
probably an iPhone if you know what you're doing with your life, and then search SLC Dunk, and then give it a review because we appreciate it and it whoop, helps whoop. the podcast grow and helps people find us. Uh, if you don't like it, yes, sir. If you don't like it and you want to just slander us, I'm fine with that too. Just go make sure you leave a review and then and put that on there, and we will appreciate yes. it very much. Uh, Milo, I uh, I don't got anything else to add. Nah, I'm good. All right, guys. Let's roll. We will talk to you later. 